Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. Let's start the episode by saying something. What would it be? <laughs> curious, curious. How about there will be spoilers? Most likely. This is your one. And possibly, but you never know, not only spoiler warning. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I couldn't even finish saying that. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. Because that is good for a podcast, and this is one. Math. Okay, I'm uh, going to push a button and that will get the timer started and going to try to stick to the timer a little bit. We'll see what happens. Wrong button. Come on. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> Let's get ready to rough you some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Highlander Bakery. There can be only bun. Thank you for that sponsorship. Movie the first, Highlander. Well, that's a quite a coincidence. Uh, I realized I hadn't done this in a while, and I sort of wanted to continue the theme of uh, each week having a movie from a series and then finishing that series. So... Uh, I did it for a while, for some reason I stopped, I don't know why, but uh, it's something I like to do. Uh, it, it kind of suits a podcast format. So, I decided I'm going to watch all of the Highlander movies. I have seen, I think, the first three, definitely the first two, and the first one a couple of times. So, that's just your sort of background. There's five of them, apparently. I have a feeling that uh, the later ones are pretty bad, which I'm looking forward to because uh, I believe they will fall into the so bad it's good category. Highlander, the first movie. Uh, it's a good movie. Uh, I think it uh, holds up if you like this sort of thing, if you're unfamiliar with the Highlander. And I even asked the missus if she knew sort of about it. Uh, and she did in a sort of secondary way. Not having seen anything, it's just sort of in the zeitgeist, I guess. Uh, the Highlander thing is uh, there's there's dudes. Is there ever girls? You know what, I don't know if there's ever girls. Huh. Anyways, there's dudes who are immortal. Oh, that means they live forever. Um, they battle one another. And the only way they can be killed is having their head chopped off. In the battles. Um, it seems like, although it's never really said outright, 
that if you're a Highlander and you kill another Highlander, you become more powerful. There's all sort of uh, like lightning and special effects and sort of Dragon Ball Z style yelling, which leads me to believe that you get more powerful, but uh, it's never sort of said outright. So this movie follows, uh, uh, what the hell is his name? Of the Clan McLeod. Colin McLeod? Is that Colin? That's kind of a dumb name. Uh, Connor. Okay, that's a bit better. Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, uh, played by Christopher Lambert, who I don't know if he's in all five of these movies. I kind of think maybe he stopped later on. Uh, we've got uh, him. We've got uh, Sean Connery. He's a, a fellow Highlander. And then sort of the main bad guy, Clancy Brown, which is an actor that you may not recognize the name, but uh, if you get a look at his mug, I am sure you will recognize him. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll go a solid 4 out of 5. If you watch this movie uh, back when it came out in... Looking, checking, 1986. So I probably didn't as I was 5 years old. <laughs> I assume I wasn't watching Highlander when I was 5, but you never know. You never know. Uh, if you watch this in 1986, you're going to give it a 5 out of 5. Some of it kind of sort of kind of sort of maybe doesn't hold up, but a lot of it does. So a uh, solid 4 out of 5. Very much enjoyed it and looking forward to continuing on with Highlander 2 in uh, the next episode. Okay, next we have another uh, blast from the past. Mr. Baseball from 1992, starring the mustachioed Tom Selleck. Not a lot of Tom Selleck movies out there. You got this, Quigley Down Under, and then a whole bunch of made-for-TV ones. Uh, Quigley Down Under, great movie. Uh, just saying the name makes me want to rewatch it. And maybe, like I did with this one, I'll talk the missus into watching it. <clears throat> uh, she enjoyed it. Uh, something I told her, and I think we did, is this is a sort of perfect, lazy Sunday movie, rainy day afternoon uh, really, really fits well into that category. Uh, if you watch this on a Sunday, I'd go as high as a 5 out of 5. Uh, if you don't, I'd go as low as a 3 out of 5. Huh, how about that? Uh, it stars, uh, uh, as I say, Tom Selleck. He plays an aging baseball player who's traded to another team. All sad. The team is in Japan. What? So then you have all sorts of hilarious cultural misunderstandings. He meets a Japanese girl. They fall in love. Bit of a love story slash sports movie rolled into one. Uh, and I think they did a good job of doing it. Uh, next we have Austin to Boston. This is a documentary. Finally, a documentary. Um, sh shit. Not sticking to the timer, apparently. <clears throat> okay, so I'll try to speed through this. Uh, Austin to Boston, uh, a group of uh, musical artists and bands travel, you guessed it, from Austin to Boston in Volkswagen Bugs, like the old school, uh, not Bugs, uh, what are they called? Like the Vans, Volkswagen Vans, I guess they just call them. Anyways, um, so you got some good tunes, which I think is one of the most important things of a movie. Uh, you get behind-the-scenes action as far as what it is like to tour in this sort of interesting way. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll go for the movie itself, like a 
like a three or maybe a four, but when you throw in the music, I'll probably bump it up to a five. Incredible. There's one band called uh, The Staves, S-T-A-V-E-S. Uh, it's a group of three girls, just incredible. I uh, love their voices and harmony so much that I ran right out and downloaded a bunch of their songs and put them on my phone and I'm going to listen to them. That's how much I enjoyed them. All the bands on it were good. Sort of indie bands, I guess, would be probably the classification if you have to classify your bands. And uh, I enjoy the indie music, I do believe, without knowing anything about it, really. Alright, next we have Man vs. Snake, The Long and Twisted Tale of Nibbler. If you saw King of Kong, uh, you will most likely like this movie because it is very similarly told and uh, subject mattered. Uh, it's about a video game, uh, old school, called Nibbler. So it's one of the ones in the case, you know, back in the 80s, where you went to an arcade to play your video games, which I did because I was alive then when this was a thing. I don't think I ever played Nibbler. It looks boring as hell. It looks like Centipede a little bit. Anyways, it's one of the very few games where you could get a billion point score. Because of that, uh, people try to attain this goal of a billion point score. The thing is, uh, it takes around 35 plus hours or so to obtain this score. So you have to play for a fucking long time. It's more of a, uh, uh, you know, what is that called? Uh, there's a word for it that I can't think of because I'm trying to speed. Uh, rating wise, uh, I don't know if this or King of, King of Kong I preferred. Hmm. Let's just give it a four and call it a day. I do recommend it, definitely. Uh, last in this Movie Monday segment is Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. That is a long title. Uh, I remember uh, that when the missus and I watched this together, I remembered the name without having to look it up, which I'm impressed <laughs> by. Normally I'm not good with names of anything, let alone movies. Uh, this came out in 1996. I think this is maybe my second or third, probably third viewing. Uh, I was shocked to find that the missus had seen this movie at least a dozen times and was quoting it while we were watching it. <laughs> Uh, that was a pleasant surprise. Uh, this is a spoof on Boys in the Hood, Dead Presidents, all those sort of uh, gangster movies of this time. And uh, it's well well done. It's got the Waynes brothers, who were huge back then. Um, and it's funny. Lots of good laughs. It's dumb. It's very, very dumb. <laughs> but in a good way. Uh, Rating-wise, uh, this... Jeez... If you like a good dumb spoof movie, you could give this a five. If you don't like that, you probably wouldn't watch this. Today's television talk sponsor is Quark's Bar and Casino. Okay, I am pleased to announce that uh, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine for a while. Seven seasons, in fact, so 
uh, today we're going to talk about season one. And uh, as uh, I finish the seasons, we'll bring them back probably season by season is my sort of plan. Uh, I, other shows I don't really do this for or have not done this for be, just because this is... I don't know if it's just my favorite show of all time. It's definitely my favorite Star Trek of all time. Uh, this and Buffy were the first DVDs I ever bought. Like, I bought the box sets of each of these shows. That's the first DVD purchases I think I, I ever made. I'm 99% sure of that fact. So, needless to say, very excited. Uh, the thing I'm sort of even, I don't know, most excited about is that somehow, some way, after years of jokingly, for the most part, <laughs> saying that I was going to make the missus watch this, she finally relented somehow, some way. I don't know how I did it. It was probably a combination of guilt, pleading, just being annoying until she gave in, uh, a combination of many things. So far, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised enough that she doesn't hate it. Um, if you are unfamiliar with the missus's uh, rating system. It is made up of mostly things she hates, some things she tolerates, uh, and very few things that she likes. Very, very few. Uh, so to not be hated is gonna, I'm gonna mark that down in the win column for Star Trek Deep, Deep Space Nine, and we are continuing on. Part of the fact is that she can tell I am so, uh, incredibly... Uh, appreciative that we are watching this together, that she's sort of doing me this solid. Uh, so that sort of plays into it, I suppose, a little bit. Okay, so that's enough backstory why this is happening. Let's talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Why it is my favorite, I think, uh, and this is always what I've sort of put my finger on as a, as a thought why it is, is because if you're unfamiliar... Um, with Star Trek in general, most, uh, in fact, all of the TV shows take place on starships that are zooming around space. Star Trek Deep Space Nine takes place on a space station that's just sort of sitting there. Uh, what I believe that allowed them to do more than any of the other Star Treks is, uh, focus more on character development. Um the fact that you're not, uh, well, I suppose in some regards you are doing the sort of same formula of introducing new characters every week, um, but you're not, uh, it's almost hard to pinpoint, obviously, as I'm trying to and having difficulty doing it. Uh, it's just, I feel like because they are not moving around all over the place, because their lives are sort of the same, it's, they're not interacting with others. Others are interacting with them. Ah, yeah, maybe I hit on it there. Uh, and, and that sort of uh, developed it more. The other thing that Deep Space Nine did is they had stories where uh, at the end of the episode, it's not like everything's back to the way it was. So that sort of classic uh, family guy would often make fun of it, and I think The Simpsons as well, where... Uh, there's a there's a problem during the episode. Uh, it will be solved by the end, and you at the end of the episode, you're right back where you started. So you could put any episode wherever you want, and it wouldn't really matter because they're all the same at the end. 
uh, Deep Space Nine went a different route and had sort of branching stories and uh, stories that went on for multiple seasons even. Uh, connective tissue throughout. So really, really incredible. Uh, and the acting, I think, was probably the best, I would have to assume. I think because they were taking it... Uh, it's not that they were taking it more seriously. It's just... Maybe they were taking it less seriously in some regards. Uh, for example, this, out of all the Star Treks, has the most uh, quote-unquote comedy. Um, especially be between uh, characters Odo and Cork. Uh, I've realized, uh, you heard the timer go off, I didn't really talk about uh, Season 1 in particular. Uh, and I think that's happened before. Uh, probably what I'll do in our next episode uh, for Season 2, since now I've kind of covered everything... Uh, we'll focus more on episodes than we will on why I love it and backstory and stuff like that. Let's just say that uh, probably most people's highlight of season one, mine included, is the fact that uh, Ben Sisko punched Q in the face. The end. Today's, oh, wait a second, today's Double Movie Monday sponsor, what, <laughs> that's incredible, is Sun Wukong brand Monkey Bread. Yes, 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 the combination of not quite being finished, uh, the book Arthur, um, uh, and with watching a shit ton of movies as I took a week off of uh, podcasting means that today you get for yourself a double dose of movie monologues. So how many did we have? Nine movies. That's a lot of movies in like a week or two, I guess it was. A week or two? Two or a week or so. Somewhere in there. It doesn't matter. Why am I droning on? Let's instead... Oh boy. Uh, talk about Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, uh, you know what? I've been hearing this come up on podcasts uh, after I had watched it, which is normally the opposite. Normally I hear a bunch of people on podcasts mentioning in a movie, saying how much they enjoyed it, then I'll get the movie and watch it. This was the sort of opposite. Uh, found it on Netflix, watched it, and then started hearing about it on Netflix. On a podcast, rather. Uh, let me read the IMDA. Uh, a national manhunt is ordered for a rebellious kid and his foster uncle who go missing in the wild New Zealand bush. Okay, so you got this kid, a sort of a streetwise, uh, forest foolish, sure, uh, kid adopted by a man and a woman. Uh, at first, he's sort of uh, rebellious, as it says. Uh, eventually, he turns and sort of changes to love them. Yes, and then they, uh, specifically the mother, loves him, and they become a family. Ah, and then the mother dies. Oh, again, very very sad. Uh, that's when shit sort of hits the fan that the government or whatever body would take care of uh, the foster kids decides that they're going to take the kid away because he can't be raised by just one guy. That's ridiculous. Which uh, I feel like that wouldn't happen in real life. 
Uh, it seems weird, especially when the kid really wants to stay here. The 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 the, the uncle, quote unquote, uh, played by Sam Neill, I should say, played incredibly well by Sam Neill. I will also say, uh, he's at first just sort of indifferent, but then the kid runs away. Uh, Sam Neill ch- uh, runs away into the bush. Uh, Sam Neill chases after him and breaks his leg. So they spend. Uh, weeks or yeah it's got to be weeks uh, for his leg to heal and they sort of bond with one another and then it sort of turns into because they were in the bush for so long and no one knew where they were uh, they thought that sort of Sam Neill's character kidnapped the young boy Uh oh and there was a sort of manhunt Uh, and then that's most of the rest of the movie is this manhunt taking place as they try to evade the authorities uh just an incredible movie uh you'll laugh you'll cry you'll do all sorts of those things uh i think it's winning lots of awards uh my rating easy for me to give a five out of five really just an incredible movie period full stop okay next have two mules for sister sarah from 1970 wow so was that uh nine years before i was born 11 years before i was born yeah uh, this is the uh, classic western, a classic western starring Mr. Clint Eastwood, a spaghetti western, I do believe you, you would call it, also stars a uh, Shirley MacLaine, the titular <laughs> Sister Sarah. Uh, let me read the IMDA because it might be funny. Uh, Nun Sarah is on the run in Mexico and is saved from cowboys by Hogan, Clint Eastwood. Uh, who is preparing for a future mission to capture a French fort. The pair become good friends, uh, but Sarah never does tell him the true reason behind her being outlawed. Interesting. So uh, this is probably way ahead of its time. Um, it came out in 1970. It's a Western movie, and your two main characters are a man and a woman. It's got a sort of buddy cop feel to it, uh, uh, which was probably where, very rare as far as a man and a woman teaming up. Uh, this was probably I, I, it was definitely my second viewing. Yeah, got to be second. I don't think it was third. Uh, I love a good Clint Eastwood movie. They're usually long. This one's two hours, so I, I usually watch them on Sundays. While playing video games, which I did this, rating-wise, um, this is not my favorite Clint Eastwood movie. That'd probably be The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And there's other better Western ones with him. Josie Wales, for example. Uh, still, that being said, it's different, which I like. So, I give it a 4 out of 5. Speaking of different, Jesus Christ, that was a good segue. Uh, the Monkey King, <laughs> the Monkey King, and there's a there's a English uh, English title and a uh, was it Japanese or Chinese? Uh, I chose the non English title because it's longer and funnier. Uh, the Monkey King colon Havoc in Heaven's Palace. Fucking love that name. This is a weird weird movie. Uh, the Monkey King. What movie, you know what, I was racking my brains trying to figure out what movie I saw The Monkey King in. In. It was some other crazy 
uh, is this Chinese or Japanese? I think it's Chinese. Anyway, some other crazy uh, uh, fighting supernatural. I, I fuck. <laughs> I don't know how to classify this type of movie, but it is a thing. Uh, Kung Fu Hustle is a little bit like it. Um, Jesus, uh, <laughs> I honestly don't know how to classify this type of movie. Let me read the Imda. Oh, it's a long one, too. As you heard, we're already out of time, but fuck it. This will be good. Uh, Sun Wukong, a.k.a. the Monkey King, is a monkey. <laughs> born, born from a heavenly stone uh, who acquires supernatural powers. Duh. Uh, after rebelling against heaven and being imprisoned under a mountain for 500 years, he'd later... Uh, wait a second. It comes with this kind of... I think, what? I think maybe I have the wrong synopsis. Journey to the West, so the Monkey King's adventure, which is come underdog, great abilities, reckless. Yeah, that's uh, that's the wrong synopsis. But it's not the wrong synopsis. What's going on here? Huh? Yeah, the the poster's right too. Okay, let let, let me let me uh, continue on. Maybe it'll make more sense than where it was going. Uh, thus, according to legend, uh, this first installment, ah, okay, uh, that, that was the problem. It was, it, that was explaining the whole thing. Oh, apparently there's more Monkey King movies? Oh, well, this is exciting. Uh, this first installment in a trilogy of live action 3D movies is actually a prequel to the journey of the re-release -re in the U.S. as the Monkey King. The first Movies and the origin story, ending with it. Anyways, this thing is fucked up. There's demons, angels, hell, heaven, battling. There's a fucking monkey king. <laughs> uh, I loved it, <laughs> needless to say. I love this kind of movie. Uh, it is subtitled, so, you know, you, you do... Maybe that's why I get into them so much, is because... Whereas, say, with Two Mules for Sister Sarah, uh, I'm uh, sort of watching it while playing video games. Where this, I have to actually sit and, and watch and read the whole thing. So maybe that pulls me in a little bit more. I think I've said that before. Anyways, needless to say, The Monkey King, uh, Hell in the Pan Basket, what is it called? The Monkey King, uh, The Havoc in Heaven's Palace. What the fuck? am I doing uh gets a five out of five and uh I want to find the rest of this trilogy that's for goddamn sure um <laughs> yeah the end okay next uh moving on to the third and final movie a uh, cell oh not the cell which we've also spoken of on this podcast in fact you know what I think I tried to uh yeah never mind uh so uh just sort of a behind the scenes action yesterday from the point of view of when I recorded this was Halloween. Ooh. So uh, the missus and I decided to watch a scary movie. The one we chose was this cell when a mysterious cell phone signal causes apocalyptic chaos. An artist is determined to reunite with his son in new England. Sounds pretty interesting. I love a post-apocalyptic anything. 
the uh, the main character, the father there, played by John Cusack, who I also big fan of. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, also his sort of buddy throughout uh, battling the apocalyptic zombie-like, but not zombie, uh, phoners, as they end up calling them. <laughs> Which is as good a name as any. Basically, uh, people listening to a cell phone when this uh, pulse was released would turn insane uh, and murderous. Uh, some suicidal, mostly murderous. Um, and then we sort of go from there. What I liked about this, despite having read the book, but that was a long time ago. Oh, I should say this is based on a Stephen King book. Um, I didn't really know where it was going. And I like that. Uh, most movies, you kind of know what you're getting, you know what's going to happen, and surprises are few and far between, which you could still have a movie that doesn't surprise you and be good. Yeah, true. But I think it's easier to have a good movie if it surprises you. That being said, uh, this movie, it's not great. It doesn't have great reviews. Um... I liked it, but again, I am very unprofessional in my reviews. A professional reviewer of this, like it's got 4.3 on uh, IMDb. It's got a 38 Metascore from Metacritic. It's, it's not very popular. That being said, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5. Like, I, I, I liked it. I, I, I would watch it again if I was in a post-apocalyptic movie mood, which, let's face it, often I am. And this is a different post-apocalyptic movie mood, movie <laughs> which uh, which I feel we need more of like mix it up a bit don't always do zombies don't always do radiation uh, nuclear bombs do different things like a Pontypool for example that one 5 out of 5 this one close behind 4 out of 5 man taking way too long uh, it's going to be a long episode but you know what I got the day off who cares? Game Gavin. Today's Game Gavin sponsor is Skeletal Warrior Diet Pills. Game the first, oh, let's uh, just mention on that note of the first of three, uh, did a bit of a uh, Steam uh, cheap, uh, cheap, was less expensive, let's say, uh, a game clean cleanup. Um, by that I mean when the Steam has a sale, or uh, like a summer sale or what have you, uh, quite often games that are already cheap will become very cheap. So I think most, if not all, of these games were around the $5 mark. Uh, so, you know, take that into consideration, I suppose. Game the first, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Uh, like Cell, uh, let's connect to things that don't need to be connected, uh, this takes something that we've seen a million times, a sort of dungeon crawler, um, three, not 3D, 2D rendered, um, sort of a old school looking game, and then turns it on its head, uh, with the whole necro dancer thing. Uh, what that 
means is you move with the arrow keys as you do but you have to move in time with the beat of the song that is playing what um genius idea yeah it's it's things like this that um i really really appreciate game developers and it's usually of the indie game developer folk who come up with things like this where they take ideas and sort of turn them on their head a little bit so uh i played through the whole thing i had great amount of fun uh kind of hitting tapping with the beat to move if you tap not with the beat you don't move or you don't hit the bad guy um and you're working your way down through a dungeon as you do in the style of game uh fighting things there's bosses there's there's all the sort of normal things just with the addition of this mechanic, which uh, makes it different, differenter, and therefore funner, perhaps you might say. Uh, Rating-wise, I'm not going to go five out of five, but I am going to go four out of five. <laughs> uh, why wouldn't I just say four out of five? No, see, that's how you have to sort of figure out the way that I rate things. Uh, like the the reason I said I'm not going to give it five out of five is my sort of it's close and I feel like that's what most people would give it but I didn't enjoy it as much as most people I think way of saying it I don't know what it is I'm a fucking joke <sighs> next we have Bit Dungeon Two oh yeah this one uh, similar to Crypt of the Necrodancer uh dungeon crawly there's there's more overworld uh sections to this than there was in that doesn't really have different mechanics um other than sort of when you die you die which is uh which is a pain but uh you can and do level up enough that uh it's not such a problem you, you get things that help you regenerate your health and eventually when you're in the higher levels like i think by the end of the game i was like level 60 something not much was challenging me uh but i was still having fun like uh, i've mentioned this before i don't need super super tough uh what the fuck is that game um Dark Souls style difficulty to have a good time. In fact, I will not have a good time and I will get frustrated and turn it off. So uh, I played through this whole game and uh, had fun doing it. Uh, it's it's Bit Dungeon 2 and it gets a 2. No, it doesn't. But that would, if, it, if it did, that would be good because then it would be a 2 and a 2. What it actually gets is also a 4 out of 5. Two fours. We're on a roll here. Uh, last, but least in terms of how long I played it with the thought that I might go back. Mm, we'll see. Is a game called Eldritch. Uh, Eldritch is a first-person action game inspired by roguelikes, immersive sims, and HP Lovecraft. See, that sounds interesting. Um, unearth ancient secrets and find your way to freedom. <coughs> Excuse me. Sneak, fight, and explore strange worlds. Invoke mystical powers to augment your playstyle. Randomly generated levels provide fresh challenges. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, I found I was dying uh, too much. By like the tenth time, 
I start to sort of my my interest flags. Uh, part of the problem is if I had played this when I was younger and I had my NES and this was an NES game, I wouldn't have had the option to stop playing and play any of the other hundred games that I have on Steam. Uh, like 200, I think, now. Way too many. Uh, whereas now, it's like, okay, you've died ten times, that's not fun. Oh, this other game I have probably won't kill me as much. Let's try that instead. So, the the desire and coolness of this game is there. Like, I have desire to play it further, just not die as much. Because it was kind of cool, but I didn't. So, for that reason... We'll go 3 out of 5, and then if I ever play it again, maybe we'll revisit. I'm pretty sure I've said that about games before, uh, and I don't know if I have ever done so yet. So, we'll see. We'll see. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Bobby Lee brand anti-diarrhea pills. <coughs> pills galore here. Okay, uh, item the first and second we're going to combine. In fact, it might have been even more than that. No, just two that I found, but there was probably more. Uh, Norm MacDonald, yes, that Norm MacDonald had a book come out recently. Uh, because of that fact, meant he was doing the podcast and uh, television show as well, Rounds. Whenever someone writes a book uh, and finishes it and releases it, suddenly you will see them everywhere because they have to promote it. Uh, luckily, in this instance it was norm mcdonald who i feel like i don't get to see enough of he is just one of the funniest people on the planet just period his sense of humor uh hits my funny bones harder than just about anybody like uh, he there's something about him and i i understand that there's probably people who uh, his sense of humor uh, <laughs> I don't want to say this in a negative way. Uh, you, I'll say it even in a positive way. That uh, the people who don't find him funny are fucking idiots. Huh, there you go. But there are people who don't find him funny. Mm. But they're fucking idiots. Anyways, uh, the, the the two in question that I had uh, the best were... Uh, or, or found the easiest or watched the most of listened to podcasts. Uh, what am I saying? Are... Uh, Norm MacDonald on uh, the Adam Carolla podcast. That was funny because uh, they often get confused for one another. So uh, and, and they know that fact. So it came up a little bit. Uh, and it was just the two of them sitting down to talk, which I appreciated as well. Just a great talk. Uh, Adam uh, repeatedly tried to get into his head, basically, is how it felt. And uh, I enjoyed the journey. 
the next one was uh, uh, Norm Macdonald on the Nerdist podcast with Chris Hardwick. This one uh, was uh, was incredible, period, full stop. But uh, it was also the longest Nerdist podcast episode ever at over a little over two hours. Norm Macdonald just seemingly has a never-ending supply of stories, which <laughs> I guess means his book, probably pretty good. Uh, you know what, I should make a mental note to try to get that book and do it in a book banter. Hmm, mental notes made. Uh, all in all, just uh, a Norm MacDonald bonanza uh, for your listening pleasure, and I hope you do. Okay, next we have on uh, Bobby Lee on Hot Ones. Uh, hot Ones I've brought back from time to time, specifically the ones that sort of stick out. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, uh, it's a talk show in which the host and the guest will eat a progressively hotter and hotter hot sauce on chicken wings. So by the end of the uh, interview, they're for the sweating bullets, swearing. Seemingly some of them are delirious with the pain. Uh, I do not like spicy food. Like, I don't like pain while eating. Call me crazy. So, <laughs> it's fun to watch people do it, though. Uh, and Bobby Lee in particular. Uh, just a funny, crazy dude in a funny, crazy situation. Just, awesome. like, you have to watch this episode. Uh, and when you do, uh, you'll want to watch more. And there's a bunch more episodes. So, good for you for listening to this and finding that. I hope. Uh, okay, next we have Harmontown 218. Why did I bring this one back? It was called Walter Blanco. Uh, you know what? I think it was just a really, really good episode that I laughed out loud a lot at and sort of mixed with the fact that I felt like I hadn't brought back Harmontown in a while despite the fact that I listened to every single episode. So I wanted to give it some props. <laughs> um, one, uh, they had a guest on. By the name of Drew Ackerman. He's got a, I suppose, yeah, they call it a podcast called Sleep With Me. Uh, what it is, is, oh, there's the dreaded double is, uh, is, and there's also a third one, fuck, uh, is, fuck, is the he talks for two hours plus about nothing. Uh, the idea being that. Uh, you play this in order to help you get to sleep. And there are seemingly hundreds, if not thousands of people who uh, believe that his voice combined with uh, the format of his show and what he's talking about, which is sort of stream of consciousness, sort of little bit of nothing, a fluff, uh, not necessarily interesting things, uh, <laughs> are going to help put you to sleep. Uh, it's the that idea of people who find, uh, let's say, like rainwater sounds or guided meditation just not working for them. This is sort of another option, uh, a, a different, a crazier option. I, I don't know. Uh, I myself suffer from insomnia. Doesn't come up on the podcast in a while, but I was at one point in my life uh, hospitalized for depression. Um, very rare uh, bouts of it. But uh, the one thing that always scares me about it, because it's such a fucking horrible thing, is that 
uh, it was always brought about by periods of um, of insomnia. So I would have periods of insomnia, which would then almost like a switch would flick on my depression. That that's sort of how it felt. So I'm always very uh, scared of the possibility of insomnia. So. <laughs> If insomniacs out there listening will know that fear of insomnia gives you insomnia, so uh, it's not a not a not a nice thing. A vicious circle, you might say it. So uh, potentially next time, I've, I've been good lately. I do take a sleeping pill every night, so that's that's not so great. Anyways, uh, uh, I, I feel like if I ever have a bout, maybe I'll try this. Uh, I did listen to a bit. And I don't know if I could do it. Like, I've never been someone who could fall asleep with the TV on. I do have a white noise machine. That uh, that helps a lot. Um, so, there you go. Uh, that doesn't sound funny, all the things I said. But that episode, 218, Walter Blanco, had a lot of funny shit going on in it. Okay, next we have uh, Comedy Fang Fang, uh, which is, of course, the Comedy Bang Bang Halloween episode, which you have to watch those. When I say watch, I mean listen, because they're podcasts. Oh, uh, on the note of Comedy Bang Bang, if you go to my YouTube account, I think if you just type in Jordan Maywood, I think that's what it is, I'm pretty sure, uh, or uh, type in NSFW The Monster Fuck, uh, you will see that I have taken audio from a comedy fang fang, uh, specifically from the song uh, The Monster Fuck, which is the dirtiest of all Halloween songs, and then added some, hopefully, funny visuals over top. Uh, oh yeah, the, the, the whole thing I wanted to mention is uh, uh, they, on the episode before Comedy Fang Fang, played Would You Rather, once again, uh, chose my scenario for the seventh time and I do believe the third time in a row, so that's pretty fucked up. Uh, in this episode, uh, Scott Ackerman said, uh, good friend Jordan Maywood, so honestly, cut that audio out. Make that my ringtone. Oh, I should do that. Mental note to do that. Uh, okay, so as you heard, we're out of time, so last but not least, uh, we'll just mention, uh, this sort of falls into the Harmontown thing as well in that I felt like I hadn't brought back a Todd Glass show in a while and he had on James Adomian who is fucking hilarious. The two of these guys together. Just a little slice of podcasty goodness, folks. That leaves one final thing to say, which is of course it is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Nah, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. 
till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper